Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards. Along with me is Evan Federhoff. Hi, Evan. Hey. And Austin, the engineer. Thank you, thank you, Austin, for all the work that you do behind the scenes. We appreciate that. And we have a fantastic podcast today as we are in the book of Exodus, which is a, just a fantastic book of the Bible to be reading. So I hope you are reading along with us. If not, just uh, hope you'll stick around as we, we talk about it. We'll also unpack some from Proverbs, some wisdom from Solomon. And Evan has some really good questions about uh, one about church discipline, which we will tackle uh, all today in today's edition of Understanding Jesus. We have a new ministry here at First Baptist Jackson. It's called Holy Grounds. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and we have gourmet coffee available. Our own barista in-house. So we hope you'll come join us 9 a.m. Sunday mornings for Holy Grounds. From 9 to 9.15 we have a time of fellowship where we donuts and coffee and then Bible study. Always from some amazing Bible study. You can sit in the observation deck and just watch or you can participate. It's up to you. But come join us. Check it out. 9 a.m. Sunday mornings here at First Baptist Jackson. Back in the Understanding Jesus podcast with uh, the time where we break down some passages of Scripture that stood out to us in our reading this week, and it was a great week of reading. If you're not reading along with us at this point, uh, just it's a good time to jump in. The Book of Exodus is just it's it's uh, you know it's also it's been done in the movies. So, I mean, that, you right. have a lot of familiar content. If you've watched the Ten Commandments, if you're old school, if you've watched the Prince of Egypt, if you're a newer generation. Uh, and uh, what's the other one? Um, well, they've got the... There's a newer one that I don't recommend. Yeah, they, <laughs> they've, got, they've got the Bible, the Old Testament. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't recommend it either. Well, the, well, the, no, I'm talking about the the, show, the movie they came out with not too long ago with Christian Bale oh, yeah, as, yeah. Um, as Moses, a younger Moses yeah. and, and so forth. I, mm. I think they're still fun to watch, but you got to yeah. remember that they're not yeah, always Definitely keep that accurate. in context. Yeah. It, it's it's worth reading the Bible yeah. before going through that so you understand the inconsistencies. Right. And, and when you watch it, you just say, this is somebody's perspective of right. what they read even though it is not biblically accurate. Mm-hmm. So, okay, but uh, I wanted to share a passage that came through on a reading, and it's from the book of Proverbs. Uh, we have some uh, stuff we want to share from Exodus, but uh, from the book of Proverbs first, because we're at a time in, in reading the Proverbs that uh, where Solomon is passing along information to, um, I guess, uh, Rehoboam. Uh, but it could be any of his sons. But uh, the uh, but anyway, he's, this is what he says in Proverbs 6, 20 through 25. He says, My son... Keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Uh, this is just practical wisdom from a father to a son. And I, I just appreciate uh, that this is not this is information that would be absolutely relevant for any father and son in today's age and was relevant in Solomon's age. It's relevant in every age. And, uh, you know, the law was given to Moses as an act of love from God because God knew it was a path to life in a world of death. You, we have a, a world in which sin reigns, and as a result of that, uh, all types of things that lead us down paths that uh, I, I'd say bring death quicker for us, or at least 
bring us to a spiritual death, if not a physical death. Uh, so so that, that's what the law was given. Then Jesus came to reveal this law more fully. So uh, lots of misunderstanding came in reading the law and understanding the law and so forth. And, uh, and in fact, people who believed that they were actually uh, following the law more closely uh, actually began to go the opposite direction and, and made it more of a an oppression than an, an act of love. They took all the love out of the law, so to speak. So when Jesus came, I think that that's a good way to think of it. Jesus came and restored love in the law uh, and helped people understand that God wasn't doing this to make your life hard or difficult. He was doing it to set you free. And, uh, and so uh, the law had been perverted to be devoid of love, but Jesus brought clarity uh, that we desperately needed. Uh, the allure of a woman is is really the seduction of Satan. He is always trying to put before us things that will draw us away from God using whatever tools or mechanisms. And he knows that for everybody. He knows your weakness. He knows what it is will, that he puts in front of you. And once it's there, it will draw you away. He's like the guy who drives up in a van with candy for kids. He's he always has something that is appealing to you, and and that's what he's he's spending his time learning that which is. I mean, he's not omniscient. He doesn't he can't read your thoughts or minds, but he's watching you. He sees how your eyes react with, to certain things. He sees how you respond when when certain things appear. Uh, your heart rate goes up or whatever. It's, it's obvious that this is something that's appealing. Now anybody. Anybody can do that who's watching very closely, but Satan especially is very savvy. Right. And so don't ever think that he's got the ability to read your mind or he's got powers that God has. Uh, he does not, but he is uh, very good at reading people. And uh, just like people are good at reading people, he's he's a master of it. And he's had many, 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 many thousands of years to uh, to get good at this. Mm-hmm. But um, so he, he obviously... Uh, uses uh, not only does he use women to be pawns, he also he uses men as well. Uh, and and he but he gets into the hearts of uh, women to use their bodies for the destruction of men. And and that's something that uh, you know and it's just it happens. I mean I, I it's all around us. And so men need to be aware that uh, that ungodly women are just again pawns of the enemy. Ungodly men are pawns of the enemy, and and so whether it's money, sex, or power, or whatever he's using, uh, he's going to use things that again that tempt each of us, and uh, and the purpose is our destruction. I, I, he gets in the hearts of men uh, with laziness and drunkenness and uh, and selfishness and vainglory, and you know when men don't serve and protect and provide. Uh, then it 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 motivates women to then seek elsewhere uh, to to for those for that provision that security and so forth. We're just saying we don't need men at all. And uh, it was uh, someone said to me years ago, you know how a how a woman uh, says uh, well how a man hurts a woman or breaks the relationship within a marriage. He says to his wife, you know um, I. Um, I don't want to be here anymore. I, don't, I just I don't want to do this. And the way the woman uh, affects a man is that, or the way she hurts him is she say, "Go ahead, I don't need you anyway." And and that's what Satan does. He he tries to get into the heart of a man to think uh, to to keep him from 
uh, serving his wife, and he gets into the heart of a woman by saying, "I don't need you to serve me anyway." And so uh, that's that's how he that's how he that's really the essence of how every divorce occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and only when we come to Christ are we safe in His care. It's that Christ is at refuge. Uh, that's what Solomon was saying to Rehoboam or to whatever son he was talking to, that wisdom he was giving uh, about the commandment of being a lamp, a light. Well, Jesus is that commandment now. Jesus is that lamp. Jesus is that fulfillment of the law. And Jesus uh, said, here's the commandment I give, that you will love people as I have loved you, that you will love one another as I have loved you. And so that's that's really how we overcome that is when we are loving one another as Jesus has loved us, um, then we are not lusting after the things that Satan is offering to get those needs met somewhere else. So. Yeah, at our, at our New York's conference we went to, um, they had a couple of men's talks, and mm-hmm. the three words that they used were protect, pursue, and provide. Yes. And um, yeah, so you had pursue and, and provide. Protect and provide, yeah. Protect yeah, and pr- provide, Pursue yeah. is good, yeah. Pursue yeah. is the other one. And you said serve, which I, I think applies too. But, yeah. But, um, but the way they, I think they were trying to have alliteration there, so they all started with P. I yeah. think so, but yeah. I, I think, per, well, actually, yeah. pursue is the one that they, uh, they leaned on the most. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah. yeah, but I know I, I gave yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good but, words. Yeah, I thought it was cool. It's easier to remember for sure. That, that's true. I've not forgotten it. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, uh, I, I do think that's that's really important. So. Yeah. My, the one I have is is a complete, one A switch. <laughs> okay. I, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and pull it up, but um, I'm reading out the ESV if that affects you guys, but um, it's. Uh, chapter seven of Exodus. I'm just going to read the first um, good chunk of it before the uh, the first plague. I'll, I'll just go through that. Um, are you wanting to pull it up? Go ahead. Okay. Um, and the Lord said to Moses, "See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall seek all that I command you, or speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my sins or signs and wonders in the land of Egypt." Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by the great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle. Then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that that it may become a serpent. So Moses went to, uh, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the, uh, the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. So, um, in this passage, it's it's not really one that um, a lot of the ones have really practical information that I like to read uh, in the weeks past out of um, the New Testament. But this one, I, I I'm not exactly casting my staff onto the the dirt and, and seeing serpents come up. Um, but uh, but I do think that this is a really cool example of of God using two people to do His work and. Um, this is something I find very encouraging. Um, and whenever we go out and, and share the gospel with people and, and do things um, in our daily lives, um, I, th- I find very encouraging that, that God used th- these two guys. And in the chapters before this, we see Moses' unfaithfulness. Um, we see him we kill a man, go in the wilderness for 40 years. And then mm-hmm. um, even when he's talking to, 
to God at the burning bush. He says, I've, I've bad, I can't speak well. I have, um, I, I think some people assume a speech impediment. Um, I think for the most part, he was just being unfaithful. Right. Um, but, uh, but in, in those passages, we see, um, this guy who's, who's praying faithful and, and, and those little things and, and God still gives him, um, a great, a great purpose and a great, a great job, a task ahead. And, and, um, he gives Aaron, his brother to him as a, uh, as someone to speak for him, to, to do these wonders and do these things. And I just think it's very cool. Um, it encourages me to go back out and, and knowing that, that the same God who turned these serpents into, or these staffs into serpents and, mm-hmm. and, um, did these things, um, even with people, you know, these, these sorcerers here that, that probably would have been somewhat, um, feared mm-hmm. in a way yeah. by the people. Um, I, I would not have wanted to been around them. Right. Um, you know, they're turning their staffs into snakes too. Exactly. Um, they, they couldn't have exactly been the most, um, I don't know. They, they were they were handy in in doing that. Yes. So I, yeah. I, I had the secret arts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I I just know personally I wouldn't want to mess with them. And, right. And knowing that we have God on, this same God on our side, um, when we go and share the gospel and and speak to people and when we do things out, um, it you know in this this uh this world is is full of stuff like um that's not so exciting and and a little bit unnerving and and knowing that we have God on our side that's doing these same things is is mm-hmm. encouraging to me. So. Mm. My, well, that's that's cool because my uh, the passage I was going to share comes right after that in Exodus nine, twenty through two twenty six. Um, it says, "Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand to heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt." And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there, there was no hail. So, you know, when Moses first confronted Pharaoh, Mm. as you just said, uh, it was Aaron. Uh, he, in fact, if, uh, Aaron was the one carrying the rod. Aaron was the one throwing. Aaron was the one speaking. Uh, and even in those, in the first few plagues, it was God would tell Moses, "Tell Aaron to do this with the rod. You know, to put him over the river and turn into blood. Over and and you know, frogs and and all and these different plagues that mm-hmm. were came upon. And then uh, there's this. Uh, then there's uh, a kind tra- of a transition a shift, where he yeah. tell he shifts and says tells Moses and Aaron to grab some of the dust and it becomes lice I think or something and uh, and so it becomes this uh, plague or whatever and uh, upon everyone and then the the next one then comes the hail and in this time Aaron's not involved it's it's mm-hmm. Moses God speaking through Moses it, it, it's and there's also a, a, a a uh, a transition in the severity of the plagues uh it, stuff that's being called out of the earth uh, for the first part and then supernatural events coming from heaven that have never happened before mm-hmm. and uh and and then when he gets to this point he's doing it to Moses and he's bestowing upon Moses saying I'm giving you access that I'm not giving anyone else mm-hmm. and and so that the people can see that this is you have Aaron going uh Toe to toe with the uh, with the magicians, but when Moses acts, there's nothing they can do, and mm-hmm. and they become fearful as well, mm-hmm. and 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 begin and begin to begin to lose their power just before this, but uh, and begin to say, whoa, whoa, these are doing things we can't do, and uh, but then now it's in a place where it's they absolutely are powerless, 
and and showing God's superior superior power over these uh, magicians. But also, it, it looks like it could be a foreshadowing, or foreshadowing of how God is perhaps going to deal with the church in the tribulation. Because uh, here you have, uh, you know, we talk, talk about the, the the tribulation that's the great tribulation that's going to come and so forth. But here you have God pouring out His wrath upon Egypt, but but then putting a protective hand over His people, and so the world Egypt seeing that, and and really the result is the same in Revelation. Uh, the world will see the uh, protective hand of God over his people. They will see the wrath that's coming upon him, but they are not uh, swayed by that. Their hearts are still hardened, just as Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And and it's it's God illustrating or saying, look, I'm just revealing. This is why I'm judging this people. This is why you had to be removed from these people. These people have no heart for me whatsoever. These people have no love for me whatsoever. These people have no desire to get to know me whatsoever at, at any point. Uh, you know, the only time they relent to release uh, Moses is when uh, their firstborn die. And mm-hmm. and even then, uh, Pharaoh's heart is hardened as soon as they're gone. They, and they're yeah. like, well, we're, we're going to pursue them and go get them. And then God eventually just destroys the entire army of Pharaoh to put an end to it in the Red Sea. So the Red Sea becomes that moment of it is completely done now. My people are completely separate from, right. uh, from that. And, and so, again, who knows how that uh, it's kind of a picture of. This is how God carries out judgment, uh, and and perhaps it will be in a similar fashion uh, when when the end of our world comes, or and maybe we're already transitioning that even now. But the but the idea that um, that Moses now has, uh, you have this. Uh, I love the plagues that are coming, and and you like you said, the magicians wield this power, but you see their power. Uh, continually being diminished as God begins to reveal more and more of himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, uh, that's, that's what's going to happen in the world is that you will see um, everybody fears the beast and the number of the beast in revelation. If you read it carefully, there's no, you don't fear the beast. You need to fear God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's the one who's showing the upper hand. Who's he's yeah. just allowing these things to happen and allowing them to giving them a moment where they can have it. But then it's his power that's going to be overwhelming and dist- and, and it's actually just like what you're. It's just like what you're talking about in Proverbs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where we have the um, we have to trust God to do these things, not ourselves. Yes, yeah. exactly. That, yeah. that 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 this that Satan will work, the enemy will work, and and knows these things and. It, he has he has great power, but not like God. Yeah, yeah, and it's and even Aaron and Moses is kind of like the transition between John the Baptist and Jesus. You know, right. it's always I love how God. It's not that he does exactly the same thing, but he does follow mm-hmm. certain patterns of yeah. how he works and so forth. He brings mm-hmm. a, one to prepare the way, and then and then it's like Moses is gaining confidence, mm-hmm. and then God instills this power in him. Yeah, it's, so. it's the same character in both in all the different places. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And right. I, that's one of the things that's so cool about the the scripture that we're able to read is yeah. that we is that we can read the Bible and we can understand God's character and we when we when we pray and ask for things that, that He's promised us or that He's done in the past uh, we can expect these things because His character stays the same. Yes, so. as we said many times before, read any part of the Bible and you come to a greater understanding of Jesus. Right, it'd be a great name for a podcast. So. Oh, yeah. Understanding Jesus would be a great name. It would be a good name. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be back with some questions to answer. So stay here with us on the Understanding Jesus podcast. 
If you would like to learn more about the ministry here at First Baptist Jackson, we have a class that's specially for you. It's called Basics, where we teach all the basic foundational things about being a part of our church, what our church is about, where it came from, where we are, where we're going, and how you fit in to God's plan here at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're interested in being part of the Basics class, all you have to do is contact our church. You can contact us at office at fbcj.us. That's office at fbcj.us. Send us an email, and we would be glad to set up a time for us to have that class with you. We'll make a special time. We'll provide child care, but we need to hear from you. So if you're interested in taking the basics class, please contact us at office at fbcj.us. Welcome back to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. This is the time where we answer questions that have been carefully conceived up to this point by Evan Federhoff. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm excited. If you ever have a question, always be know that you can submit that to us. We have so many ways to communicate. You can call the church office. Uh, if you're old school, look it up in the phone book. The live stream. Uh, there's the live stream. You can comment on it and put questions in there. You can go to our website, fbcj.us, and uh, you can our email addresses are there. You can email us. Uh, so just uh, and I think there's different places to put comments even there. And so just uh, Facebook comments on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Instagram comments on our Instagram page. So uh, yeah. So if you've got ever got a question, really about anything in the Bible, we I mean we love it when you're reading along with us and ask questions about what we're reading. But we love just Bible questions. They do need right. to be Bible questions. So that's that's the key. That that, yeah. that if there's a qualifier, it's that we we're Bible questions. Yeah. Uh, so, Evan, give us question, question numero one. So my first question is a, a similar place to what we just read. Um, it's, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart sometimes, and others, Pharaoh's heart, or Pharaoh's own heart was hardened by himself? Mm. Well, it's really, I think it's more of a, a linguistic thing, uh, The that both are happening simultaneously all the time. And we use language, uh, especially when we're talking in the Old Testament, the language that's used is we it's called personification where where we give uh god attributes of man and use language that mi- people would use um to uh, make a point like when god forgets or basically and god remembered uh, you know and god uh relented or changed his mind those kind of things when when it says things like that uh it's it's not that it's saying that god changes his mind it's not that god's saying that god forgot and then had to remember it's just using things to help us understand from our perspective this is what it looks like mm-hmm. and uh and it is a uh, and basically, if you flip it around, it's the scripture is saying that God was not softening the heart of Pharaoh. He was just leaving it like it was. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's not that uh, it's the the effects, uh, the things that God is doing are create are making Pharaoh's heart even harder and against releasing them. And uh, and it's just uh, I, I think when the New Testament picks up on it later um, and and looks at that, it, it, Paul's making the case of saying this is um, this is God is superintending this entire process. Mm. That without God we don't have faith. Without God we don't have reconciliation with Him. Without God we don't have hope or mercy right. or grace. So these are things extended to us by God. And so if God chooses now. Uh, and we have to you have to walk carefully with that because then we jump to conclusions that Scripture doesn't give us. It's mm-hmm. like saying, well, then God uh, uh, God predetermined that Pharaoh was going to go to hell, and so Pharaoh had no hope whatsoever. And it doesn't say that. It doesn't tell us that. That's that's just a I I think people take a step 
to say, well, this is, but we, but you also have to go with that. No, God also extends the opportunity for all of us to turn to Christ and so forth. Uh, but the, but the idea is that while God's mercy is being extended, uh, it is, uh, I, sometimes it's a paradox, which we just have to trust God that he's going to sort it out for us when we stand before him. Um, but it, but he is saying where I think he, when he says some vessels were created for wrath and some for God's glory, uh, that, yeah, when Pharaoh was created, he, that this was the path he was going to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was on that path and never deviated from it. And so uh, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's tricky uh, theological legwork, and so you, but, but we're looking at things from two perspectives always when we think of that. We're looking at it from God's perspective of what we believe he is doing in heaven that preserves his character, and then we're looking at it from how it appears to us from the way it unfolds on earth um, and with the, knowledge, with the information that we have. Mm-hmm. It certainly doesn't look like God is um, is being good to Pharaoh here, uh, and and that is how it looked from our perspective. Uh, but uh, but we also know that God is a merciful God. God is a gracious God, and every mercy that can be extended, every grace that can be given in the life of Pharaoh, that God would do. That God that God's love is not diminished in the life of Pharaoh. That God loves him as much as God loves anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so so but uh, but that's on. That's God's character being preserved on one end, and then again, how it appears to us of what is unfolding from the other. Uh, so uh, a way to look at it is I, I look at someone and say that person, God obviously has hardened that person's heart because they they continually reject him, continually refuse, continually go over. But if I were on God's perspective, I could see the calling of God upon their life, and they just simply turned it down, and, and they're held accountable for that. So, right. um, So anyway, that's... I mean, that's we get into a deeper philosophical point on that, but that's so basically short answer. The long that was the long answer. The short answer to your question is, is that yeah, both are happening simultaneously. Uh, God's mm-hmm. Pharaoh's heart is Pharaoh is hardening his own heart, and God is also hardening his heart. Second question. Second question. So in Matthew 18, uh, we see a walk through a biblical church discipline. Mm-hmm. How should we carry this out in our own church, and is it already happening? I love that question because uh, that's something that, uh, from very early on, I, it's a very explicit passage about how to carry out discipline. First, confront someone in their sin. If they refuse to repent, bring a brother and and point out the that their sin is a violation of God's word. If they still refuse to repent, uh, then the church is to be involved. And, and, and let me just kind of unpack what that really means. What it's saying is, is that when a person is sinning, and you confront them and say, hey, this is not God's plan, the only way you would go to the next step, if that person says, I think it is God's plan, I don't think I am sinning. If they say, yeah, I know it's sin, then that's it. <laughs> it's really, I mean, there's not uh, the, I mean, if they if they say, I refuse to repent, but I'm going to stay part of the church and want to be active in it, then, uh, then that's when you bring, well, you, no, you can't actively be part of the church if you're purposefully rebelling against God and refusing to repent. Then you need to you need to leave, or or well, at least you need to understand that you cannot be in active fellowship with us because of your sinful decisions. And uh, and let me bring a brother to affirm that. And let me bring and now the church will affirm. No, you cannot be in active fellowship with us if you refuse to repent. Mm-hmm. It is not. Uh, it doesn't mean that we are. When we say disfellowship, it means simply that uh, the church is the body of Christ. 
guided by the Holy Spirit, coming together, and we make decisions together, we break bread together, we, we depend upon each other, we lean upon each other for spiritual guidance based upon the Holy Spirit speaking in and through us in the decisions we make. And so a person who's actively involved in sin, refusing to repent, refusing to seek God's forgiveness, that person now can't um, can't do that. They can't be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, sensitive to the guidance and so forth. And so, uh, and so the Word says we're to treat them as an unbeliever, which means that you treat them as someone if, if, they, if they aren't. Because if they are a believer, then God's going to call them to repentance. They can't continue to sin and get away with it because God will discipline them. He will scourge them, it right. says. So, so if, um, if they can sin and get away with it and not feel any call to repentance, you have to question, are they even a follower of Jesus Christ? Do they have right. the Holy Spirit? And so uh, that is why you're treating it. Yes, and it, and, it, and it does need to be in the church today. When uh, when God makes you aware of a person's sin, he's doing that as an act of grace. He's not doing it. He, the point is that he's not sharing that information with you so you can just go tell other people what he did. No, you shouldn't tell anybody else what he did. You should go to that person and say, hey, I see God has revealed this to me. I see what you are doing, and this is sinful. And hopefully, right then and there, that person is like, oh my goodness, I, you're right. I am repentant of this. I do need to stop. I need help. And, that's, and that brother helps restore that person. Yeah. Uh, but if they say, I don't really think it is sinful. I don't think there's anything wrong with what I'm doing. Then, yeah, you go get somebody else to affirm. Hey, look, we're both telling you. We both are part of the church, and we both are telling you this is wrong, and this is not acceptable behavior within the body of Christ. And, uh, and if that person refuses... Then, then, yeah, you just simply go to the church and say, hey, I'm telling you, we, we confronted this person, and they refused to repent, and so I, we don't believe they should be a part of the fellowship of this church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the church should stand by that and say, right. that's correct. We, we're not going to recognize them as an active, participating person in the church. Uh, been, I've been a part of it. I've been a part of that process. I've never... I've never gotten to the part where it had to be taken to the body of Christ. By the time there was a second person involved, um, and sometimes I was the second person, someone would come to me and say, hey, I've got a friend who's refusing to repent uh, and, uh, and been there. They, they said, well, we're leaving the church mm-hmm. when, we, when we spoke to them. Well, but, and, and then they came back. When they, were, when they did finally decide to repent, they came back to the church, and the church mm-hmm. openly restored them. But one, one point that's very important uh, on this is that— um, this is not um, this is not a, a thing that's to be casually treated. Uh, it, this is something that it has to be done in love. It has to be. It needs to be somebody who loves this person and is grievous about um, sharing the information, but only wanting to see the person restored uh, is the reason they're telling him. Right. Yeah. It, it's um, uh, and that, that's why the fellowship of having a body of believers is so important. Yes. Um, because if 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 that's not what we have in common, then we have nothing in common. Right. Um, and that uh, having Christ in common means that we can have those things of fellowship. And right. And um, it's a gift of it's a gift of the Holy Spirit being able yeah. to have fellowship like that. And and we and and let me let me make sure it's very, something very clear. We're not talking about finding something in a person's past that they are no longer involved in. Right. This isn't a this isn't us forming a judgment council saying we're kicking you out of the church mm-hmm. because we found out something you did ten years ago that you no longer practice. This is this is a person who is practicing sinful behavior and refusing to stop practicing sinful behavior. Yeah. And and, the, and then so the question is is what if they repent and then they go back to it? Well, that question was asked. Uh, Peter asked that question of Jesus if if I if we forgive. And then that person goes back and does it again. How many times should we forgive? 
Seven times, he says. And Jesus says, no, not seven times. Seventy times seven. And he wasn't saying 490 times. It wasn't the point of the answer. The point was is that, no, you don't. You don't stop forgiving. You mm-hmm. you just continually forgive and restore, forgive and restore, forgive and restore. Yeah. The, the question is, is, is the, the point is, is that if a person is, and this is a very practical thing, if a person says, uh, I absolutely acknowledge this is sin, I absolutely want to stop, and seeks to stop and then goes back to it, that's a person, that's a cry for help. That's that person mm-hmm. saying, I'm not able to do this on my own. Right. Yeah, so please help me. Help me find a way to be faithful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, my next question is, in Matthew 17, following the transfiguration, why do they refer to John the Baptist as Elijah? Uh, well, Jesus says he is Elijah, and it was a prophecy given that Elijah would return when the Messiah came, and Jesus here just says, this is the Elijah you're looking for. And so uh, some people, that's what when they, um, that's why when they said, who do people say that I am? Uh, some people say you're Elijah, uh, because meaning you're you're the one that we're, the Elijah that we're looking for, and Jesus uh, makes clear that, no, it's it's not. I'm not the Elijah you're looking for. John the Baptist was the Elijah that you were looking for. Uh, the there, it's it's kind of an interesting thing in that uh, not only is uh, John the Baptist the Elijah that the people were looking for, meaning the one prepared, the prophet who's preparing the way for the Messiah, mm-hmm. uh, but Elijah himself actually appears at the Transfiguration, right. and uh, and so you have uh, so you have both and kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not an either or, but a both and both the literal Elijah who comes and the figurative Elijah and John the Baptist. So John the Baptist would be symbolic in that case. Correct. And, uh, and it's kind of like, uh, when the old Testament, when, uh, the prophet who Moses prophesied of, you know, it was, is Jesus. Uh, so in, in the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, the new Elijah, uh, is John the Baptist. The new Moses is Jesus. And, uh, and yet, uh, there they both are as well. So, yeah. Kind of cool, right? It is cool. It's super cool, actually. Yeah. 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 So, is that it? That's my three questions. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Understanding Jesus podcast. It's been so much fun. And uh, and like we said so many times before, please, please join us as we read God's Word together because there's so much, so much good stuff uh, in the book of Exodus. It's a great time to start reading. Now, I, I understand if you just start reading the book of Exodus, then you're going to plunge into Leviticus soon after. Uh, but we, when we get there, uh, I hope you will stick with us on the podcast because... Uh, there's sticking it with you. Yeah, because Leviticus... Leviticus has some really good stuff in there, and and it, and sometimes we get weighted down and, and bogged down by things, uh, you know, uh, that we don't really get. Even in, in Exodus, it's the uh, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk kind of thing always sticks out to me when I read through the Old Testament. Uh, I'm like, what? I don't understand why that's there. But sometimes we get so bogged down with that, we we miss all the good stuff yeah. that comes before and after. Well, the other thing is, st- if you stick with it through Leviticus yeah. and you continue, and the podcast probably does help. Yeah. Um, but I think Numbers is it, it's it's one of my favorite books. Yeah, um, it has it is the same. Yeah. In fact, almost every book we're going to be in from this point forward. Genesis is just a rich story. Yeah, and uh, and really, I, there's not a lot of boring parts. But the mm-hmm. uh, but in but in when you get into 
a little bit in Exodus, more so in Leviticus, some in Numbers, some in Deuteronomy. Uh, it's story mixed with a lot of details, right. I, I'd like to say, like right. uh, genealogies and things like that. that are, it's important information because we wouldn't have it otherwise yeah. if it wasn't given. Uh, it's kind of like the ingredients, uh, you know, in a, yeah. uh, you know, in a recipe or whatever. It's like, eh, just give, give, give me the, the instructional part. And uh, it, But those things are necessary. If you forget the ingredients, the instructions mean nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. It, 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 it's, it's necessary information. And so um, don't belabor it. But uh, but do read it. To remind, you know, I read through it, and and uh, it reminds me of because God will sometimes bring to light some things in there. They go, oh my goodness, look, that's in there, and mm-hmm. little nuggets of truth that you missed on multiple times before. That's why I hope you'll stick with the podcast because we try to dig those things out. But uh, but it is it should be meaningful. Uh, it, but but if you if you bear with it, it all God brings it all together, yeah. and uh, and that's uh, and that's the great part about reading His yeah. Word. And and lastly, with the, with the nuggets of information that we pull out. Uh, we we really want to pull out nuggets of information that that our listeners care about. Yes. So that that's why the questions are so important. Yes. And, and I pull out the things that I think are interesting. Right. Or that I at some point would have wanted to know the answer to, and I'd asked it, and, and now some of these questions I've known the answer to because I've yeah. already asked the question. But um, so whenever you guys read through, yeah, take time to ask, uh, even if it it seems like a a generic question or you find it maybe you look it up online you find multiple answers and it doesn't have to be a question it could be something you discovered yeah we, I, that always interests us when we, i mean because you may find something there that we've never seen and yeah. uh and those that's super exciting when people say hey yeah. i discovered this have you ever seen this or noticed this in god's yeah. word and, and we'll highlight that for well, you and we'll share it too yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh please please do that please reach out and and um this isn't a uh, three only podcast. It's it's for everyone included. Exactly. So. But uh, that's it for today. So please join us next time on Understanding Jesus.